This is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how science fiction, horror, fantasy, and comics help us explore our humanity. Hi, welcome to season two of Bite. This is Tony Tolado. And so, parenting in an apocalypse—it's—it's it's not the same way that we would do it. You know, you know how it works. Any views are usually two to four minutes long, but sometimes they can be a little longer. Tony, when you when you live long enough, all kinds of strange things happen. <laughs> You're very right in saying that the Greek heroes were the original superheroes. In part because of the hopeful nature of Gene's vision, but also because of its message of diversity and inclusion. Tanana Reeve Dew is one of the co-writers of Black Panther: Sins of the King on Serial Box. You can get it as an ebook and also as an audio drama. There is more sci-fi talk, so stay tuned. She told me how this came together. You know, much like the way you would put together a team for a television series, now that I think about it, uh, we got a call from our agent, you know, and I suspect that something similar happened for the other writers. So, and I don't mean the literary agent, I mean the, the film and television agent. Wow. So it is, it's like a hybrid. Um, Jeffrey Thorne, who's one of the writers, also is a television writer. I imagine maybe Ira also does television writing. Um so there, there feels like this. And Steve, my husband, Stephen Barnes, who unfortunately couldn't be here today. Yeah. Uh, I first met him uh, through a, an episode of The Outer Limits. Oh, hey, wow. Cool. Right. Yeah. Starring Amanda Plummer. And, oh, uh, yeah. and it turned out he wrote it and I was just floored. So it feels very much like that. We were called cereal box assembled a writer's room and for me just super exciting because even though i'm making some inroads in screenwriting i had a steve and i had an episode of the twilight zone on cbs all access for season two uh, episode eight a small town nice and it's not a plug but just saying you know that was my first tv writing credit but i'd never been in a writer's room that was freelance. And, and while I collaborate with Steve on scripts, I'd never collaborated at a table on story. And that was really, really different. It was exactly what I was looking for as an artist. You know, we so often we work in isolation. Sure. And I've been wondering, well, what is the wider world of writers out there? And <laughs> man, just like the, the thoughts are whizzing like bullets in that room. <laughs> I was just trying to keep up. By the end, I just said, well, since I'm local, I'll just be the one who brings the great food. Uh, because I had just completely inexperienced with that. My experience as a writer is with the page, with the screen. You know, that's sure. big and deep. So the outlining, treatment portion, breaking story, as they call it. Yeah. As I'd never been in a room, that was mm -hmm. my first time. And it was really a revelation. So oh, yeah. I, I'm just really proud of uh, my, my uh, fellow writers. How about we listen to a clip? This is from their episode two. The shooter was already out of sight, but T'Challa still had his scent. In mid-run, T'Challa coiled and sprang, sailing over the first rooftop and onto the next, landing right beside the woman. Her gliding harness folded down between her shoulder blades as she scrambled across the roof. I take you to be an agent of the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division, he said, falling into step with her. Stand down, your majesty, she said between breaths. She wasn't even winded, still running at full speed. This woman was perhaps near the level of the Dora Milaje. Impressive for an outsider. Let law enforcement... But he was gone. 
bursting out ahead of her in long, arcing leaps. He may have heard the word showboat as she dwindled behind him, amusing, as if justice could be bound by something as spindly as a local ordinance. Duty, knowledge, honor, loyalty, justice, he heard his father whisper from his memory. These are the claws of the Panta clan. Justice would be at the tips of his claws as soon as the runner was brought to ground. T'Challa had got a good look at the man during the ceremony, but the details remained oddly hard to lock down. If T'Challa hadn't seen his exit from the ballroom, hadn't watched the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent dash to follow, he was sure the man would have faded from his mind like smoke in a wind. Which should not be possible, he thought, as he landed to crouch on the lip of another rooftop. The embassy was far behind him now, and from his high perch he scanned the area, looking for any hint of something out of place. Sirens screamed far below, emergency vehicles moving past his position, on their way to the embassy, most likely. Automobiles parted to let them pass, and the ever-flowing crowd had mostly stopped, watching the commotion. All of them were statues, except that one tiny figure darting among the onlookers, threading its way up the boulevard far too quickly. T'Challa pounced. He hit the face of the nearest building, his habit's vibranium lacing eating the sound his vibranium claws raking deep scars in the stone. Riding his momentum, he slid around the corner to where the stone became glass. Then, he was running along the sheer face perpendicular to the pavement, still so far below. He had already halved the distance between himself and the shooter. He vaulted off the wall, twisting his body in the air to hit the ground in a skid that became a dead run through the crush of New Yorkers. T'Challa surged forward, desperate to put eyes on the shooter again. The faintest tendrils of that phantom scent wafted into his nostrils, leading him into an alley. There, at the far end, stood the attempted assassin. It will be better if you surrender, said T'Challa. The shooter didn't move. His hawkish mahogany features betrayed no thought, no intention. T'Challa thought he might be petrified, cornered as he was, but the assassin's eyes were reminiscent of a doll. Clear, but seeing nothing. There was no emotion behind them, no fear, no anger or hatred, just nothing. Silent as a statue, the man lunged for him. The attack was so fast, T'Challa only barely managed to dodge clear. He raked his claws down the man's back in passing, shredding his jacket to confetti along with the flesh beneath. The man spun, smashing his heel into T'Challa's sternum. The impact sent a sudden, jarring jolt of electricity through him. Some technology meant to disrupt his habit's functions? The man was fast, certainly stronger than human, but his fighting style was little more than that of a street brawler. It was, perhaps, the result of the strange buzzing in his head, the fissures of static running through him each time the assassin's hands made contact. Try as he might, T'Challa could not clear the static from his brain, which was why it came as a complete surprise to him when he felt the man's hands lock tight on his throat and squeeze. Focus, T'Challa. He brought his arms up between the assassins and pushed out, but couldn't break his grip. The man continued to tighten his hold. The buzzing in his mind and body cut his thoughts. He could feel himself blacking out. Hey! A woman's voice, angry, commanding, cut into his fugue. The assassin jolted as if struck by something and the grip on T'Challa's throat vanished. 
Stumbling back into a crouch, T'Challa forced his mind to clear. He looked up to find the assassin in close combat with the shield woman who seemed, impossibly, to be holding her own. She danced around each of the man's attacks, only to come right back at him with blow after staggering blow. Though she seemed to favor her right arm, each of her strikes forced the man back. Black Panther Sins of the King is available on Serial Box. And the main voice playing T'Challa is read and performed by William Jackson Harper from The Good Place. It's an ebook and also an audio drama available as well. For Bite, this is Tony Talata. <laughs>